Welcome to City Tech Stories, a podcast highlighting the experiences and voices of the City Tech community. Each episode will center around a theme and include perspectives from across the college. So thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, this is Nora Almeida. I am an instruction and reference librarian at City Tech. And my name is Junior Tidal. I'm the web services and multimedia librarian here at City Tech. Um, and we have a special guest uh, today with us uh, and I'll just let you introduce yourself. Great, thanks Junior and Nora. I'm, I'm Maura Smale and I'm chief librarian here at City Tech and I am leaving City Tech um, after today to become chief librarian at the CUNY Graduate Center. Right. Yeah. So, uh, oh, uh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, you know, if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been at City Tech since 2008 and I was first hired. I was hired as coordinator of information literacy and library instruction. Um, so I held that role for six years. And in that position, I um, scheduled and, you know, supervised the um, library instruction for the English 1101 and English um, 1121, the first year writing classes with my colleagues on the instruction team. Um, and I also worked, you know, in, in the college, college service, um, you know, worked on my own scholarship, that kind of thing as well. And then in 2014, I was hired as chief librarian. So I've been in this role for about eight years. Um, and along the way, we've seen a lot of changes. I know we're going to talk about that. Um, done a lot of hiring, that kind of thing as well. So I've, uh, this is the longest I've ever worked in one institution and I will really miss it. Um, yeah. Today's podcast was brought to you by Last Seen Underground, an ethnographic novel of Iran by Roxanne Barzai. Nothing visible is worth watching. It's in the hidden parts of the city where everything can be seen, just playing or acting out. The answer falls on where you stand, above board or underground. Many Iranians by law are forced to act their parts. So why then is theater so dangerous? Theater is a threat when reality is contained. This provocative book is available now, the City Tech Library. Well, 14 years is a good run. Um, so you must have some perspective. You talked about change. So we'd love to hear a little more about what things um, in your time at City Tech you've seen change the most and about, about the college or about the library since you started working here and maybe what, what are some of the things that have stayed the same yeah, thanks, Nora. That's a great question. Um, so I would say, you know, the college has changed a lot. When I started, the college had about 12,000 students, went up to a high of about 17,000 students just before the pandemic. And we have lost some enrollment, but we're still higher than we were when I started. So that was a big change. You know, we do have the new building that opened in 2019. Um, which added space to the college, but, you know, to go to add 5,000 students without adding space, you know, really the college was busy and pretty crowded. Um, and uh, there were also, I think what has also been really interesting is, you know, of course we're a comprehensive college. We have associate and baccalaureate degrees and the college in the time that I've been here, I want to say at least 10 bachelor's degrees have been added in the different departments. I was on the committee um, that worked on creating the, technical, professional and technical writing bachelor's degree in the English department. So that was really great. And they require one of the courses that we teach here in the library. Um, so that was a really fantastic uh, relationship. Um, so that's been a big change. And I think, you know, the bachelor's students use the library in different ways. They do more research. Um, so that's been nice to see as well. Um, 
in the library, I would say the biggest change is that we've had, you know, we we had we had not done a whole lot of hiring, I think, before I started. Um, and we had some retirements and some resignations. So at this point, I think since I started as chief librarian, like 60% of the library faculty and staff have been hired since I started, you know, both on the faculty side and on the staff side and um, college office assistant and IT lines as well. Um, so that's been, it feels like we've done, I know, I know that you both have done some time on the appointments committee. It feels like we have done a lot of hiring, um, which has been great. It's, it's really nice to welcome new folks. You know, most recently, um, we had new, a new faculty member start last October and a new staff member start with us full-time in March. So it has been busy. Yeah, I think I'm the first new person or the last old person. Yeah. on the staff, yeah. depending on how you. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Well, you were, you were the first person, Nora, to get tenure since since I started as chief librarian. So that that has been really, I mean, it has been really great. It's really exciting to, to watch you get tenure. So that's been something I've really enjoyed. Um, things that have stayed the same. You know, I, I our space has stayed the same and that's been frustrating. Um, you know, I, I have done, my research focus has often been on how students um, use or don't use the library and the technologies they use working with my colleague, Mariana Ricolato at Brooklyn College. Um, and we've been doing this research for over a decade and it's really enjoyable research to do, but it also really informs my work in the library. And, you know, as you both know, I have been agitating for renovation for the library for basically eight years. Um, and, you know, we, pre-pandemic, we had really thoroughly outgrown our space. You know, things are different now since coming back from the pandemic, but we still have spaces in the library that are really not being used the way that they should be used, that are just, you know, that are inaccessible to students and that don't have um, as much, you know, we continue to get a ton of complaints from students that we don't have places for them to plug in their devices when they come in, for example. Um, so I, so I, it is, it is unfortunate that our space is mostly the same, but I do think with the new state budget that there, um, there's going to be on the horizon, hopefully we'll have some renovation plans. Um, but on the plus side, one thing that has stayed the same is um, in the library and at the college, it's been amazing to work with my colleagues. Um, I feel like everyone really cares about the mission of the college, the mission of the university. Um, in the library, everyone really cares about our work together um, and is really supportive of each other. And that has been really great. And I'm glad that that has stayed the same. And I think in some ways that, I think that um, at the beginning of the pandemic, of course it was really difficult, but I feel like it, it was so much easier than it would have been had we not had such a strong team going into this. So I, um, that I'm really glad to see this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so over the years that you've been here, um, what's an accomplishment or, or achievement you've made that you're really proud of like, while you've been here? Yeah, that's also a good question. Um, so in the library, I think definitely working with everybody on hiring and mentoring. So and we've done a lot of hiring and I think we've also done a lot of really important thinking about our hiring process, our recruitment process, and um, from everything from job descriptions to where and how we promote our postings to sending interview questions to candidates before they come here um, so that we can kind of reduce the nervousness. Um, you know, we've really tried to be intentional about how we can attract folks 
who are diverse, who have diverse experiences, who can really bring um, their expertise, even if it's not specifically library expertise to the work here at City Tech. Um, and that has been really rewarding work because I, um, I still, uh, I, we still have a couple lines that are unfilled and I, I hope that they'll be able to be filled soon. But I feel like every time we do a search, we just, our pools have been getting stronger and stronger um, every time we can do a search. So that has been really, um, really gratifying to see. And we've hired amazing people, which is also really terrific. Um, at the college, I uh, you know it's funny to think that the Open Lab is 10 years old, but the Open Lab is 10 years old and I was, so the Open Lab is our open digital platform for teaching, learning, and collaboration. And it came at, it was um, developed out of a grant, a Title V grant, which is the Developing Hispanic Serving Institutions Federal Grant Program that ran from 2010 to 2015. And I was part of the team that wrote that grant and I served as co-director of the Open Lab for the first two years of the grant. And then I was project director for the Title V grant for two years. Um, and, you know, uh, it's been really amazing to see the Open Lab continue to grow and to be supported. I haven't looked recently, but it's something like more than 30,000 members. Um, and I think was really critical to have, you know, we do have Blackboard as the learning management system for the university, but it was really, it's been really critical to have an open alternative. Um, it was really important as we hit the pandemic to have another platform to enable online learning that, you know, people were already using and that was available to everyone. Um, and in the library, actually, we found it's been a really productive relationship with the Open Lab and our OER, Open Educational Resources Program. So we said really early on that we wanted faculty who are developing OER under our program to use the Open Lab as their publishing platform. And that has just been, again, a really great synergy that I think has been beneficial to both teams. So I'm really glad that the Open Lab is still, you know, the Title V grants are five years. So there's always a little bit of like, as you get to the end of the granting period, you know, will whatever you developed continue to be supported? And it's been great. Yeah, I think Open Lab is great. I mean, just as a user myself and for students too, it, it just allows you that freedom and flexibility to, to create a site and share with others. So, yeah, I think it's a remarkable accomplishment for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I use it with my students for like, I, a lot of students use it for portfolios, obviously, um, in the design disciplines. But I think it's like, I tell my students when they're making a project site, I'm like, you could use this knowledge in the future. Like, this is based on WordPress. <laughs> and yeah, the Open Lab team is great. Like, we've worked with them, Junior and I, to get new plugins added and um, to get the library integrated in there, especially important during the pandemic, just making sure people know the library is there. Um, <laughs> so you talked a little bit about spaces and maybe you'll get into that a little more, but this is better than the like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> if you, But if you visited the library in 10 years, which I hope that you do, um, what would you hope to see? Yeah, this is a great question because I don't know where I see myself in 10 years, but the library in 10 years, I definitely help, hope that we have had a renovation of the spaces that are underused. So most critically, you know, we have the periodicals area, which is a closed stacks area that um, we used to need because we had a lot of print periodicals and we don't need any more. And that space, to open that space up for student use, um, hopefully, you know, I think ideally with some flexible furniture that could be moved around, you know, I'm encouraged by, I think one of the few positive things to come out of the pandemic is that it's clear that um, 
people are thinking a little bit more about how to make spaces flexible, but also noise contained. So prior, you know, pre-pandemic that we had some areas in the library, as many libraries do, that were really, really loud because there were just so many students there. And I, I would hope that, you know, when a renovation happens, that there can be some thoughtful um, design around noise mitigation. So to really enable people to use the space, but also to use the space without bothering other folks. Um, so fingers crossed for that. Um, I do think also, I hope that we can have more support for digital scholarship in the library and at the college. So I think some of this is, is um, you know, personnel. It's we're a small, you know, we are a small but mighty team here in the library. So we can't always do everything that we want, but we do also have a lot of expertise in digital scholarship and digital media in the library. Yourselves and our colleagues um, have a lot of expertise that we could bring to digital scholarship for faculty and students. Um, so I'm hopeful that in the future, there will be more funding for more lines, because I think that it's really, you know, as, as, um, faculty are considering publishing in different, you know, not just publishing open access, but publishing in different kinds of media and different kinds of projects, you know, the library should really be involved in that. So I hope that that is happening in the future as well. Um, and I really hope that everyone continues to, you know, I think, you know, we do, you know, we are, we are a public institution, you know, at an at a university that has had funding challenges. Like, of course, we have challenges, but I do think that um, we've been able to do work that we find meaningful, all of us. And I hope that everyone, all of my soon-to-be former immediate colleagues, um, continue to be able to do work that that we find meaningful um, and support each other in that work. I'm optimistic. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just to, you know, kind of um, talk more about, uh, you know, support for digital scholarship and, and digital media. Yeah, I, I feel like the pandemic has shown that there's so much media and so much user created media, right? Through like TikTok and like podcasts, like is this one. Um, yeah, it would be great if the library could kind of support more of that for both students and faculty. I mean, I think like the open lab is a good like step for a platform to kind of host those things. And I think like the next step eventually, like in, you know, within 10 years, I, I too would also like to see more digital creation from our students and, and faculty. I think that that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and again, you know, like the open lab, like, you know, the, we never delete student accounts, right? So they can use their portfolios that they develop here. And again, that's the, these kinds of like skills and knowledge are useful to them in their careers after they finish here, so. This podcast is brought to you by Terminal Boredom, Stories by Azumi Suzuki. Seven punky and pitch black stories offer English language readers an overdue introduction to Izumi Suzuki, a cult figure in Japanese literature. Check out this book now at the City Tech Library. So uh, my next question for you is, you know, what is your favorite memory of City Tech? That's a good question. That is a really hard question to answer. Um, one of the things that I have in my office that I'm really going to miss is a wardrobe that when I first took this position, it had been in the archives and we were trying to rearrange the archives to make some more space for offices, um, especially around where Nora's office now is. Um, and 
it's, you know, it's a wardrobe. And I said, there's enough room in the office. Let's move it into the chief librarian office. And I use it to hang up my coats. And it, it has a mirror on the inside, which is kind of hilarious. And also space for four canes or umbrellas, like with these little. So it's very, um, and the tag on it says New York City Community College. So that's like four names ago. So I, I always think of it when I think of the college has such a really interesting history, you know, founded as its own entity, a community college, but then it absorbed a trade school that has roots, you know, further back in the late 19th century. Um, and because of that, we have all kinds of really interesting stuff like this wardrobe. Our archives have physical ephemera that include, you know, trunks full of like old machinery. There's in the space near where near the archives, there's a kind of circuit board that has these like levers that you can move up and down. And when my kid was you know, in his elementary school years, he is now 20. Um, when he used to come to visit my office, he really loved playing with the levers that he could move up and down. Um, so I really, I just think that's really super fascinating um, the way the college has evolved and changed over the years. Um, I wish I could take the wardrobe with me, but in fact, I cannot. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I really love and really miss, I've actually been thinking about this recently because again, we do have two, we have a new faculty member and a new staff member who joined us full-time recently is that, you know, the, our hospitality management program, which um, I always like to remind everyone is the only public hospitality management program in the metro area, right, um, has a dining room. So their lab, you know, they, they are doing hospitality and tourism. So students in that program are learning to cook, but they're also learning to like run a dining room. They're learning to be waitstaff, that kind of thing. So they have a lab that is a dining room. And they, um, I think it's four classes that used to run the meals in that dining room. There's like an operations class that does a sort of seating and hostess and wait staff. There's a pastry class that does a dessert, a bread class, and then I think a meal class, ooh, five, and a wine class. Um, so they used to, you know, pre-pandemic, they had two or three lunches and dinners every um, every couple, like three times a week. And they over, you know, the, the timing of them was when those classes were scheduled and they had tables and some college administrators got tables, you know, had a standing table, but they also had tables available for folks. So whenever I could, I would try to get a table and bring the tables for four and bring folks. And especially when we had someone new start us, start with us, I would call up the chair of the hospitality department and say, you know, I have a new colleague, can we get a table so that I can bring them um, to the dining room? And it was such a fun experience because the students were just really sweet. At the end of the meal, you have to evaluate them because it's a class. Um, the students were often really nervous. Um, the, definitely the food got better the later in the semester that you went, um, but the food was usually pretty good as well. Um, when they started, they started serving wine when um, Professor Karen Goodlad, who teaches the wine class and is that's her expertise, you know, arranged with wine donations from local um, businesses. And my favorite memory of the dining room was, I think both of you have heard this before, was one day instead of wine, they had beer and the server at the beginning said, and our wine today is beer. And then they would pour you this little like half glass of wine or beer. Um, so it was just really a fun experience. And I think, you know, I was, I was talking to our new colleague, Jen Hoyer yesterday, and um, I hope when that comes back that folks could go because that was always one of the really fun things was to bring people to the dining room. Um, 
because it's just a really neat, it's a really neat experience that I think that's definitely unique among the CUNY schools. We're the only people who have, who have that, so. Yeah, I always found it a real treat to, you know, go to the dining room when invited. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a great learning experience for, for the students. And yeah, I, I think just a good way to connect with faculty too, as well, when you're sharing a table together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, go ahead, Norma. I was just going to say, and it's just like such a vibe shift. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just like all of a sudden you enter this like alternative universe of like a fine dining restaurant, <laughs> you know, but it's like on campus. So it is very, yeah, I, I guess probably the culinary arts students have been just, I guess, really taking a lot of leftovers home this semester or the past couple of semesters. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's <laughs> right. I mean, that's what they must be doing with the food. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you're right, Nora. It is a total vibe shift, like to the, that they even have the coat check, right? That also was yeah. like the student working the coat check. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hope we can get back to that because, right. Well, and then the other thing too, is that not having had very many in-person meetings, you know, I always used to say it's it's always worth your time to make sure that you get on a committee with someone in the hospitality management department because <laughs> they bring snacks to meetings. <laughs> when the pastry class has made pastries and there are leftovers, sometimes you will get cookies. Yeah, I was happy Mark Mark Hellerman was teaching. He just retired, but he was teaching yeah. the um, the pastry class this past semester. And when we were only half time on campus, like he, his class coincided with times I was on campus and he would often text me and be like, my pastry class ended <laughs> and be like, here's like some really, you know, decadent <laughs> food that my students made. So yeah, it is a, a really yeah. um, unique, unique part of City Tech. Yeah, it's a nice so, perk. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay, so serious question. Um, what is your advice for the next chief of the City Tech Library? That is a really great question. I mean, I think this is true for any position, any chief librarian position, but really a strong advocate, a strong advocate for, you know, again, our funding can be challenging, so a strong advocate for the funding to do what we need, but really a strong advocate for the library faculty and staff. Um, you know, everybody works really hard, everybody has a lot of expertise and enthusiasm, and really making sure that um, that hard work is recognized and that the college, you know, knows. It can be easy in the library for us to, um, we do so much work that is not always visible, that it can be easy for us to not realize how little folks outside of the library know. So really making sure to, um, you know, promote the work that we're doing outside the library. I also really think, you know, one of the things, again, I have really most enjoyed is um, collaboration. And so someone who is transparent and who is, um, really sharing as much information as possible. I've always tried to do that because I feel like that has made our team stronger and more supportive to know that, to know that, you know, I'm, I'm being as transparent as I can. I really, um, I really have appreciated that, uh, that everyone is, you know, that everyone trusts me enough to tell me the things that I have done wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I would say that a new, a new person to earn that trust, you know, again, to really just value the expertise of everyone who is here. That sounds like good advice, next chief. Um, 
My next question for you is, uh, what will you miss most about City Taken and or the library? Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of saying the same thing over and over again, but I really will miss my colleagues. I'll miss all of you so much. I really, I, it has been an absolute privilege to work with such a terrific team. I really, I feel like we do incredible work despite the resource constraints and really wholeheartedly. And again, just the support that we all have for each other has been really, um, really, it has, it has made things so much easier for me, which, you know, sometimes this role can be challenging, um, any role is challenging, but it has really made things much better to know that we all support each other. Um, and I really appreciate everybody's genuine engagement in the work. You know, even when things are, are tough, um, because of all kinds of constraints, not just funding, but other constraints too, you know, people have stayed engaged and, you know, have been willing to work through it. And I really appreciate that as well. Um, I will miss, and I'll miss colleagues at the college as well. Um, I will say, this is a little thing that I've been joking about, but I'm really going to miss my commute. <laughs> my commute right now is a 40 minute walk each way, mm. um, which I hadn't always walked both ways before the pandemic, but since the pandemic, I've been walking both ways and I really have, except when it's raining like today. Um, but I've really enjoyed being able to do that. It's a nice, it's a nice way to kind of ease into the day and also to decompress from the day. Um, my new commute will involve the subway, which I shouldn't complain. It's one train. It's not a bad commute, but um, it is not a walk. So I'm going to miss that. Yeah, the Brooklyn-based folks know. Let's see, the commute is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm I, I'm glad that my train line goes over a bridge, so that's good. You know, that the view over the Manhattan Bridge is one that never gets old for me, so that's a nice that's a nice thing. But yeah, I won't be able to walk, which is a bummer. I looked it up, and it's like a two-hour walk. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that that'd oh, be that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's obviously not going to work. It's a, it's a it's bikeable, but it is mm. midtown adjacent. And, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, biking in midtown is maybe not something I'm brave enough to do. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I like my my nine minute. I don't plan plan for travel time bike ride to City Tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it is amazing. Um, okay, so we like to end the podcast often by. Uh, like asking our guests about recent book or music or film recommendations. Um, so if you have anything that you've been reading or listening to or watching lately that you would recommend, we're always looking for, I mean, in the glut of stuff, it's always nice to hear right. what people right. are <laughs> into. Yeah. So um, this is a really hard question because I have been, I feel like, like many people, I had that sort of pandemic, like, oh no, I don't know, can't read anymore. But that seems to have lifted for me. So I have been doing a lot of reading recently. Um, the book, the fiction book I want to recommend is something that I read actually in the fall, but it has totally stuck with me. It was so amazing. It's called The Space Between Worlds and it's by Micaiah Johnson. And it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's an amazing story, but the, um, the plot is that there is, um, you know, it's a multiverse in the future and there are folks who can travel between the world, between the multiverses, but the only people, the only people who can travel to a different multiverse is, are people who in that other multiverse have died. So it is also a really, um, it is also a really interesting, 
um, book about race because most of the folks who end up being these travelers are folks of color because they're more likely to have died in the other spaces. Um, so with that, with that kind of setup, it's just a really interesting plot and a story. And it also has a happy ending, um, which is really lovely. And like, I, I literally like delayed reading the last like five pages because I didn't want it to end. It's really just incredible. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Um, and I think it's her first book and she's like in a PhD program for something else. Um, so this is her first like fiction book, but she's in a PhD program for maybe like English literature or something. Um, I also want to recommend, this is the book. I will always recommend a book about, you know, anti-racism. And the book that I've been recommending most recently is Nice White Ladies by Jesse Daniels, who's a sociologist at Hunter and the Grad Center. Um, and full disclosure, also a friend. Um, but she is, this is a really great book, basically about like white women's role in white supremacy historically. And it's woven through with some of her own, you know, personal backstory. Um, her grandfather was in the Ku Klux Klan. And um, it's just really great. Um, I think it's really, uh, you know, as we continue to see white women, unfortunately, continuing to like, you know, we thought after Trump was elected that they wouldn't vote and no, actually the percentage increased. So I really, I feel like for folks who identify as white women, absolutely required reading. It's a great book. I um, think, the, um, yeah. I, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I think she was recently interviewed by uh, Data and Society as oh, well. That, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I think like a month ago, um, and, and I think that's streaming right now. Just to let folks. Oh, know cool! Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's great. I know she had been a fellow at the um, up at Harvard, the Berkman Center. So mm -hmm. she does. Yeah, she's done a lot of work on um, racism and like white nationalism online, like from a long time back. That's her research focus, and really, you know unfortunately very uh a very timely research focus right now because of what is happening so yeah yeah and it's like a weird like horrible meta space where like if you write about trolls like you become trolled like if you study yeah. the social media trolling universe in that space yeah so I know that um I've heard Jesse Daniels speak about that horrible phenomenon yeah, of being yeah. like doxxed for your research being about being doxxed yes yeah she's had that yeah it's really awful but yeah I mean her work is just so you know, this is a different kind of book than some of her previous work but her work is just so valuable and important and we're so we're you know she's another person we're so lucky to have her at CUNY she's really great um movies maybe the best movie I have ever seen maybe mm. not um, everything everywhere all at once yeah that's so good great so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean Michelle Yeoh is just so incredible but that movie was so my spouse was like I didn't think I was gonna cry at this movie but the two of us were crying by the end of it I so, sobbed through like yeah. the last half yeah, right? <laughs> I mean just so incredible about multiverses and generational trauma and just being a person in this world I don't know it was amazing yeah, and wholesome. So that's such a very wholesome movie. Yeah. At the same time, it's her very like, you know, really fun action sequences and comedy and sci-fi elements. But yeah, that's that film is probably my favorite film that's come out this year so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it just agree. is incredible, right? And also just blown away because it was sort of like we knew the kind of conceit of like the overarching conceit of it, but then we were like, 
this is not even at all what we expected. Right. Um, yeah, again, just did not expect to actually be crying in this movie. <laughs> um, but Well, it really was everything everywhere. But it also was like, I was like, if they did a bad job at this movie, it would be so bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the right. fact that, that it was pulled off was like amazing. And as a person who does not like sci-fi, like me and my husband could watch this movie and both like it. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. Right, yeah. That's hard. Like, yeah. Well, you know, top, but I don't know if you guys saw Top Gun. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, whatever. not the best movie I've seen all, all year, but just like, whatever. If you want to go to the movies and it, you'll get your breath taken away, obviously. So, <laughs> um, sorry. I did see somebody, I did see somebody on Twitter who had never watched the first one. Right. I think it was uh-huh. Eve Ewing, maybe, you know, she's, um, She's also a sociologist at the University of Chicago. Um, she writes a lot about race in schools, but she had tweeted that um, she had never seen the first one. And I think one of her <laughs> things that she was tweeting, she was like, they're playing Danger Zone again. They're playing it again. They've played it like five times in this movie. And the same thing with the Berlin song. Like, why are they playing this song? Just the, yeah. those are the only two songs in the whole movie. Yes, it's true. I think that they, they, I know that Berlin wrote that movie, uh, that song for the movie. And I think that they just spent all of their music royalties on that. And then they were like, now we only have enough money for Highway to the Danger Zone. And we just had to keep looping them. But, you know, I don't know. I have a cat named Goose. So, you know, that's where I stand on (laughs) Top Gun universe. Even though Tom Cruise is abhorrent. One of the things about that movie that you're just like, why do I still like this movie? Even though I just hate Tom Cruise so much. I don't know. I think he's universally hate it but like yeah. everyone still likes this movie it's it's the it phenomenon weird. right the phenomenon <laughs> yeah. yeah and he also will yeah, yeah that's not just... that's not think too much about tom <laughs> that's how we end that's how we end this podcast always by talking about tom cruise, tom cruise. It is a tra- okay. it's the tradition of city tech stories okay um, great that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything else you'd like to share more with with our listeners um i don't think so i mean i i just to thank you both this was i was really surprised to, to um get your email and invited me to do this and it's been really great and i think it's been it's been a nice opportunity for me to reflect too you know i was saying earlier that this is my last day right now in the physical library and i've just been cleaning out a few things that um i should have cleaned out many many years ago so it's it's a nice time to reflect back as well yeah yeah and it's just um i i know i've said this before but yeah it's been great working with you over the years so um yeah yeah, i I think this podcast is a real treat and kind of like you know peels the curtain back um you know so to allow our listeners to know like how the library works and the people behind it too so yeah yeah thank you both it's been great we'll miss you you. (laughs) i know i'm gonna miss everybody i've been you know crying on and off for a couple weeks now so yeah well thanks for chatting with us yeah thanks so much thanks guys have a good day bye